0: Well, good morning, everybody. My name's John. Give this to you, Sean. One of the staff members here at Daybreak, and we are in the middle of a Christmas series that we've been doing. It's actually Christmas Sunday today, which is really exciting. We also have, as Sean mentioned, we have Christmas Eve services coming up on on Tuesday. Uh, but what we've been doing over the course of this series is we've been talking through the different places in Scripture that tell the Christmas story. Uh, for those of you guys with, with a Bible, with some familiarity with the Bible, know that there are four Gospels that talk about the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And so the last three weeks we've talked about the Gospel of Matthew and of Mark and of Luke, and today we're going to be talking about the Gospel of John. Excuse me. Now, when I, when I think about... Uh, the Christmas story, I tend to think about the nativity scene. How many of you guys have a, how many of you have a nativity scene up somewhere in your house? Okay, oh, wow, all right, like two-thirds of you maybe. All right, we do too at our, at our house. And, and, and so when I think of the Christmas story, I think about the different elements of this nativity scene as, as what typically comes to mind. And so I'll think about the shepherds, and I'll think about uh, the wise men. How many wise men were there? We don't actually know. There's a, three gifts, right? We don't know how many wise men. Fun piece of trivia, you can impress your whole family this Christmas season with that. Uh, or annoy them, whatever that may be. Uh, so, yeah, so I think about the wise men, or I might think about the, 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 the conditions, right, the manger, that kind of thing, or, or that, that Mary, despite being a, a virgin, was, was pregnant. Uh, that she had been visited by an angel or the, the shepherds, as they were out in the field, they had been visited by these these angels, but the interesting thing about john 's gospel, the one we 're going to be looking at today, is that he doesn 't get into any of that stuff like he doesn 't he doesn't get into any of the details of the, the nativity scene that we typically associate with the christmas story he just it 's not what was important to him he wasn 't really as interested in the, the the specific details of the exact what and the how everything took place. John was much more concerned about the who and the why. He decided as he wrote his gospel that he wanted to make sure that the people that read or listened to what he had to say knew who this Jesus was and why he came. That was what John's focus was. And so he scraps a lot of these other details or just doesn't bother to include them and goes straight to the point. And to be honest with you, I think that, that might be kind of why I like John's gospel a little bit because uh, he, he tends to tell stories like I do. Uh, my wife and I joke about this all the time, but when, when we, we tell stories, when I tell a story, I go like straight for the main idea, the point, and get it over with as quickly as possible, right? She tells a story. By the time the story is done, you can't even remember why you came in the room, right? Like you've been there, you're there for so long, you're like, I don't even remember why I came in here, right? So we joke about that all the time. But that's sort of what John's gospel is like when it comes to Christ, the Christmas story is he just goes in and gets straight to the point. He just lays out who this Jesus person was and why he came. Uh, In your outline there, we're going to take a look at the first few verses of John's gospel uh, in chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. If you want to pull that out, it will really help you follow along today. You're also, you'd be welcome to follow along if you have your Bible, uh, or it'll be in your outline as well as up on the screens. Again, this is John, the book of John, chapter 1, and we're reading verses 1 through 5. It says this it says in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god he was with god in the beginning through him all things were made without him nothing was made that has been made in him was life and that life was the light of all mankind the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it now the the word word here it's like a capital w word that word comes from the Greek, Greek word logos, uh, and it points out what that is, is that's referring to Jesus, but it points out this active and creative voice. So John wanted his, his readers to realize that this word, this lo- logos, this Jesus, wasn't just uh, a cool human being that showed up at a, per- at a certain point in time and did some neat stuff, that he wasn't just this another person that was born and and was a great teacher and and performed a few miracles here and there. He wanted them to know that this Jesus was actually God, that he was around when creation started. And then at this particular point of time during the Christmas story was when he came in the flesh, that he became one of us. So John wanted his readers to know that this person of Jesus, this, this was God actually coming to us. He says, in him was life, and that life was the light of all people, of all mankind. And this is our focus this morning. This light, this this Jesus, shines in the darkness, it says, and the darkness has not overcome it. In the Christmas story, in in the coming of Jesus, in God coming to us in human form, the Bible says that the light pierced the darkness. The light shines in the darkness, and it says the darkness has not overcome it, and that's good news. That's what, that's what we celebrate. Jesus pierced the darkness. And not only did he do it in this one moment when we're talking about this Christmas story, not only do it, did he do it in that one moment, but that one moment initiated an ongoing piercing of the darkness that continues today that we're going to talk about. So let's, let's talk for a few minutes. That's what I want to do this morning is talk a few minutes about Jesus piercing the darkness and why that's such good news. The first point there in your outline is this. Because Jesus pierced the darkness, number one, we don't need to be afraid. Because Jesus pierced the darkness, we don't need to be afraid. Those of you who are, who are familiar with the Christmas story and some of the other Gospels know that there were a, several people that were that were um, uh, visited by angels. That they had an angel visit them to tell them part of this this plan that was going to happen, this, this Christmas event that was going to take place. And they talked, they, talk, Mary had an a, a, um, a angel visit her, Joseph did, Zechariah did, the shepherds did. They all had these angels come and tell them what was going to be happening. And one of the first things that the angels said to each and every one of them was what? Anybody know? Fear not. Don't be afraid. Obviously, this is going to be a moment where you have the potential to be scared or or just just blown away. But what we want you to realize is you do not need to be afraid in this moment. Now, in John's gospel, he says this. uh, In your outline there, he says, The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. Jesus came and he pierced the darkness, John says. The true light uh, who came to us as we, as we see in this Christmas story came to give light to everyone, to all people so jesus came to pierce the darkness not just for you not just for me but for everyone but for some people john says for some people they didn't recognize him they didn't they didn't recognize their their own creator the darkness had become something that they were just so accustomed to that it was something that was just such a way of life for them it was something that they were that they were so used to that when their creator showed up in the flesh when god showed up in human form They didn't even know it was him. And so they refused to to embrace him. And so instead of receiving him, they chose to reject him. But John says that there were some who did receive him. And he says that those who received him, those who recognized him, those who embraced the light rather than continuing to live in darkness, he says they they were reborn. They were born again. They experienced new life in him. Life restored in relationship with their creator God. And this is the challenge that that John presents in his gospel, not just in what we're going to read today, but throughout, is he challenges his, his listeners to recognize and embrace the good news that Jesus, God in flesh, came to give us all life. To give us the opportunity to choose to receive him, to move out of darkness and into the light. And so part of what we're celebrating at Christmas, part of the, the beauty of Jesus piercing the darkness, is that in choosing to receive him, in choosing to believe in his name, as the scripture says here, we actually have the the opportunity to see the darkness flee. Because darkness does not have the power over us that it once did because of who Jesus is. Now, I want to take a minute uh, and get some audience participation. And so, what I want to do is I want... uh, to take a look at this darkness and light illustration a little bit more that, that John uses here, right? Because so, he's, he's, using, he's using this to paint a picture for us, this, this light and darkness analogy. I want you to imagine that you are in a room by yourself and it's completely dark. It's not a familiar room to you. You don't know how big it is. You're not sure like, where things are situated in there. You, it's, it's not, you don't know where the door is, but there's no windows. There's no light getting in. It just, it's completely dark, completely pitch black. What are some of the things that you're experiencing in the midst of that darkness? What are some of the, the feelings that you have or the things that you're, you're going through in that, in that moment? Say it louder. Angst. Ooh, good word. What else four straight consonants that doesn't happen very often. I don't know why that excited me. I don't like <laughs> what else anxiety, yeah isolation, what else fear. Uncertainty. Anything else? Yeah. Disorientation. Not that you're going to be able to read this from... Anybody else? Curiosity. okay. hesitation maybe a little bit of uh whoops knew that was going to happen uh maybe a little bit of paralysis like i don't know what like what do i really want to move what should i do yeah anything else all right that's good how about uh, now i want you to imagine that room suddenly filling with light all right give your t- your eyes time to adjust et cetera all right this room suddenly feel- fills with light so you can see what's there. You can see uh, where the door is, where, uh, where the, the different things in the room are arranged. How is that a different feeling? Or what are you feeling now that there's light in that room? Relief. What else? Revelation. What else? Yeah. Control, Beauty. I want to be in that room because that was. Well, like. <laughs> wow. What else? Awareness, Awareness yeah. Couple more? Okay. Gratitude. Anything else? Joy, Joy. okay. Contentment, okay. All right, so in the darkness, we have angst, anxiety, isolation, fear, uncertainty, disorientation, curiosity, hesitation. In the light, we have relief, revelation, control, beauty, awareness, gratitude, joy, and contentment. I'm sure that we could uh, come up with a lot more in, e- in each of those circumstances. But what I want to do is I want to talk a little bit about uh, a few of the ones that I came up with that relate to some of these uh, that As we think about this analogy that John uses, this light and darkness analogy, we can see a number of ways, uh, and, and obviously we can see that with a lot of these too, that the effects of light, the effects that light have on us, are very similar to the way that the, 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 the Bible describes the effects that Jesus can have or has in our lives as well, the effects of him coming to us. And so one of the characteristics that's true of light that is also true of Jesus is that light brings life. It, it, it brings life, we learn really early on in science class right that that without sunlight, life on earth cannot exist that it can't that it can 't grow things can 't thrive, um, that much of life on earth, if you take away the sun and the nourishment and the the minerals and the vitamins and stuff that the, the sun provides life cannot cannot exist. If you take the strongest man in the world the like a Sean Andrews for example, and you put him in a dark room right like a really like the darkest dungeon it won 't take long for his his skin to get pale as a corpse and his, his, his body to start to, to waste away and his, his mind to start to go. Um, people lose, through darkness, people start to waste away or lose some of their power to resist uh, uh, sickness and disease. And, in, and similarly, G, it says that Jesus came to bring life. Jesus says, I came to bring life to you, life to the fullest, to the way it was originally intended to be. I, I came to bring you of full life And whereas darkness where, the, where, where this type of environment strips uh, life of healthy functioning, Jesus came and he says, "Look, I want to show you how to live. I want to show you what this full life really looks like." And since John points out Jesus was around back when we were created, since he was there when the first human beings were created by God, he, he has the authority to be, he knows what, what we were originally created to do, how we were originally created to function. And to live. And so when we choose to receive Jesus, when we choose to ask Him to be our forgiver and and our leader, part of what He does is He brings us new life. He brings us a fresh start. He restores our relationship with God and gives us the power that we need to begin to live life the way He intended, to live life to the fullest. A second characteristic of light that's true, also true of Jesus, is that it brings cheer, right? It brings cheer. Uh, there's a unique quality of light that, that we know raises people's spirits or, or raises their moods. And we know that, that darkness, the more time spent in darkness, tends to lower moods. There's uh, a lot of studies that have been done in different places on earth where the, the, there's, there's less and less light, right? That people in those areas struggle, struggle more and more with, with depression, Honest, quite honestly, with a lot of this type of stuff. Uh, there's uh, the seasonal affective disorder, right, that a lot of people during the winter months especially when the day, I think yesterday was the shortest day of the year, if I remember correctly. So there's some positive news. It's all going and getting better from here. Uh, but in the, in the winter months when the light tends to be, uh, the, when days tend to be the shortest, people tend to struggle the most with this type of stuff, with these type of struggles and, and difficulties. And one of the treatments that they, they have for the seasonal affective disorder is what's called light therapy, where they actually try to mimic sunlight uh, so that people, are, the person is exposed to it, and they start to, to show some si- significant um, increase in, in, uh, in their spirits. And in a similar way, the, Jesus brings joy. He lifts our spirits with the recognition that he says, look, God loves you. <laughs> That's why I came. Like, we are loved and cherished, cherished by God. That John says a few chapters later, he said that God loved the world so much that he sent me, that he sent his one and only Son, uh, so that we could be forgiven, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. So light brings cheer. And then a third one that I wanted to mention was that, that that's also true of Jesus is that light brings security, brings a sense of security. I think we called it control here. It's a, it's a, it's a, similar, a similar idea here. How many of you, uh, when you were little, or maybe if you're honest, you would say now? Struggled with being afraid of the dark. Like that was something that, that you struggled with. Four of us? really. Okay, a few more, okay. So, yeah, I, this was something that I struggled I can remember particularly in my house, uh, the basement was an area that, of just great fear of me when it, was, when it was dark. And we actually spent a lot of time there because that was where our family room was. But their only, the only uh, light switch to the basement was at the top of the stairs, and so one of the things that would often happen is if somebody didn't know you were down there, we want to save electricity or whatever, boom, the light gets hit off. And I can remember, like I, I can, it almost, you know, makes me nervous thinking about it, but I can remember times where that light would go off, and as I would start to kind of walk to, try to, to go back up the stairs, as I'm walking up the stairs, I, I, I would feel this sense of panic, that there was something that was coming behind me to get me, and so I would run that much faster up the stairs and get, you know, get to that light. Now, as soon as I hit the light... I was all cocky again and could walk back downstairs, and I was fine. This wasn't this wasn't a, a big deal or whatever. But there's something about, about darkness that that causes fear. But it, light dispels fear. It provides us with security. That's why we light our streets at night, right? That's why we light our homes at night. That's why a lot of, for a lot of children we put night lights in their room because it keeps those those ferocious uh, make believe uh, monsters at bay. And in the same way, Jesus says, when you trust in me. When you put your trust in me, the things that you feared before, you don't need to fear anymore. You don't need to fear those things anymore. In his uh, second letter to Timothy, Paul says that God did not give us a spirit of fear. He says, God didn't give us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and love and of a sound mind. Jesus says, give me your greatest fears, whatever those things are. I want you to give me those because I will shine the light into that darkness. I want you to trust me to receive me, and when you do, you will become reborn as my child, as my son or my daughter. I will bring you true security in the midst of those fears. John said, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. And a few chapters later uh, in his gospel, it says this. This is right there in your outline. It says that Jesus said to the people, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't be stumbling through darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. If you follow me, this will not be what your life looks like. This will not be, this is not the, the fullness of life that he has in mind. But it looks more like this. That's what Jesus says. And I love that verse because he's so straightforward. He says, look, are you tired of this? (laughs) Are you tired of life looking and feeling like this? Are you tired of stumbling through the darkness? Follow me because you will have the light that leads to life. Because Jesus pierced the darkness, we don't need to be afraid. He he is the light of the world. So a good question to ask yourself is this, and you may want to write this down. What fears do I have? What fears do I have that need to be pierced by the light of Jesus? What fears do I have that need to be pierced by the light of Jesus? Is it a fear of uh, failure? Is it a fear of rejection? Is it a, a fear of um, the future? Like I don't know how this is gonna happen or what's gonna happen here. Is it a fear about what's, you know, what's gonna happen to me or what's gonna happen to my kids or uh, what's gonna happen to our country or, or whatever Whatever your greatest fears are, what fears do you have that need to be pierced by the light of Jesus? Because he says, I am the light. I want to be your security. Because Jesus pierced the darkness, we don't need to be afraid. And secondly, the second point there in your outline, because Jesus pierced the darkness, we can experience his grace. We can experience his grace. John goes on to say this, he says, The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. So once again we see John again. Remember, this is his version of the Christmas story. This is John's version of Jesus coming to us. He wants his his wants his audience to understand who this Jesus guy really is. So he says that this word, this Creator Jesus, put on flesh and he dwelt among us. And that picture that that John paints there, that dwelling word, is is this idea of almost this temporary residence. Is kind of the picture it gives that Jesus sort of set up, put up a tent, and just and just. Uh, camped out right with us. Like, he, he made his dwelling. He, he put on flesh and he made his dwelling right there among us. And I can just see John saying, as he's, re- as he's sharing this, saying, do you realize how incredible this is? Like, do you understand how awesome this is? This Jesus, the word who is God and has been around since the very beginning, he put on flesh and actually lived among us. He actually came to us and took up residence with us. This Jesus with with skin on, this God in the flesh, if you want to know what God the Father is like, you don't need to look any further than Jesus. That's all you have to do is to look at him. Now, as we read those verses, there's a phrase that repeats twice that I want to ask you to underline. Grace and truth. There are two places in that that passage that those words show up. I want you to underline those. Grace and truth. I want to talk about these for the next few minutes. In describing Jesus, in, 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 in painting a picture of who Jesus is to his readers, John says that he is full of grace and truth, that when Jesus showed up, when he put on flesh, when he made his dwelling with us, grace and truth were part of the picture. Grace and truth were there, and it's important to note that those two things came together in the same package. Those two things were packaged together in this person of Jesus. And so I want to try to define those words a little bit, uh, truth and grace. Let's start with truth. How would you, somebody give me, a, a, it almost feels like we don't even need to define it, but how might, how might you describe or define the word truth? What is, what is that? Sounds like a philosophy course, right? Yeah. What, what, how, just what's a, maybe a little a, a definition that you might use to describe it? Honesty, yeah, that's part of it. Awareness of reality, okay. Anybody else? God's word, okay. Anybody else? Yeah, when we're, when we're talking about truth, we're talking about essentially an accurate identification of the way things really are. Like we're being honest about the, the situation, the, the reality of the situation. And how about grace? How would you define grace? Unmerited favor. Yeah, right? Like undeserved favor. Like this, this thing that comes from God that's completely undeserved by us. So it, G, John says Jesus is full of both grace and truth. And he, he, he says that when Jesus put on flesh, when he made his dwelling among us, that he, he brought those with him, those together as a package, this grace and this truth, and it's important to remember that those things go together. It's so important to recognize that. He didn't only bring truth. He didn't only come to, to point out the, the, the reality of the way things are. And he didn't only bring grace. He brought them both together in the flesh. He was able to speak and to identify the way things actually are. And being God, he had the authority to do so. And so he brought truth. And then because of God's love for all people... Along with the truth, Jesus brought this grace, this favor that was completely undeserved. Through the person of Jesus, we receive both the opportunity to see things as they really are, the truth of the way things are, and the opportunity to experience the undeserved favor or the grace of God that God simply gives us because he chooses to do so out of his love for us. So if we jump back into this darkness and light analogy That John uses. Uh, We can look at two characteristics of light that sort of relate to this truth and grace idea, and that's the fact that light reveals and it also heals. Light reveals and it also heals. When light hits darkness, right, when you're in that room and the light comes on, it reveals everything that was in that place. When the light shines in the darkness, the things that were already there, the things that were previously hidden or unrecognizable or, or, or couldn't be seen, or they were unknown, those things become visible, they become recognizable, they, be, they become revealed. And that's what truth does. It reveals the way things actually are. It reveals what had previously been hidden when the room was dark. When John says that truth came through Jesus, when he talks about Jesus being the light, he says that Jesus came to reveal the way things actually are. We see that Throughout the Gospels, throughout the stories of of, as Jesus was talking to to people, he was was explaining to them the way things actually are, the way God created things to be, the truth of things. Light reveals what's really there. It makes visible that which had been hidden by the darkness. But again, Jesus didn't just bring the truth, right? He didn't just bring that piece of it. He also brought grace. He didn't just put on flesh and reveal what had been in, in darkness. He didn't just reveal... But he also healed. Light has a healing quality. There are numerous uh, sicknesses and diseases, infections and wounds that require a certain amount of light in order for healing and restoration of those injuries or those wounds or sicknesses to take place. And this, in a way, and it's not a perfect analogy, but in a way, this is what grace does. Grace, God's undeserved favor, creates the conditions for healing to take place. And at the same time that the truth is revealing all of the things that are hidden in the darkness, grace is the environment that Jesus brings so that restoration can take place. Grace and truth together are what Jesus brought in the flesh, and that's the good news that John wanted people to know. That's what John the message that John wanted to get across to his readers. So let's let's make this a little bit more personal for us. How like let's let's talk about what this means practically. Why should this matter? Why does the grace and truth that Jesus brought matter to us today? Well, if you're familiar with the story of Jesus, and I would, I would guess that most of the people in here have at least a level of familiarity with the story of Jesus, you know that part of the reason that we, get, we celebrate his birth, part of the reason that we celebrate the fact that he came, that we celebrate him putting on flesh, is because it paved the way for his death on the cross part of the reason we get, we, we're so excited or so glad that God decided to come to us is because we know that, that, that later on in the story, it paved the way for his death on the cross. And while in most situations, death is not something that we necessarily would celebrate, it's different when it comes to Jesus. With Jesus' death on the cross, we see the full extent of God's love. On that cross, we see not only the costly nature of the truth, not only how much the truth cost that what was in the darkness cost, but we also see the powerful nature of grace. On the cross, Jesus, God in the flesh, once and for all took upon himself the punishment, the penalty for the darkness or the sin that infects all of our lives. On the cross, Jesus displayed God's undeserved favor, his amazing grace, showing the full extent of his love for us, even in the midst of our darkness and sin. There's a A a famous scripture verse that says that while we were still in darkness, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And then, proving his authority and power over darkness and sin and death, Jesus rose again. We have seen his glory, John says, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Excuse me. In one of John's letters, a book of the Bible that we we call 1 John, he put it this way, and this is there in your outline. He says, This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. I like to look at that last verse there for a minute. It says that if we confess our sins, and what does confess mean? It's kind of a churchy word, right? What, is the, what does the word confess mean? again. Tell it all. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's this idea of admitting or agreeing with God about the wrongdoing that exists in our lives. About agreeing with God about uh, the truth of our sin. And it says that if we do that, if we agree with God, if we get to the point where, we, where we're, we're willing to confess that, that sin or that darkness that's in our lives, that he is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Truth and grace come through Jesus. I'd like to wrap up this morning uh, with an illustration, and it's not, a, it's not a perfect illustration, but it's one that I think uh, gets to the, the heart of what we're talking about here a little bit, and, and it's one that, that has helped me. I want you to imagine yourself and your, your life as an old mansion. Right? Your life is, a, is, an, is, a, is an old mansion. Okay? And over the, the course of time, over the, the course of our lives, um, sin and darkness uh, tend to take its toll. Uh, that ma- The mansion gets dirtier and darker and dustier. Uh, things fall apart or break down or you can't find them or walls topple over or, or there's, there's spider webs here and there. or Things stop working the way they were supposed to. And, and no matter how much we try to either just ignore what's happening or we try to just hide what's happening or we... Uh, try to fix it or repair it, eventually we get to the point where we realize that we're powerless to restore this old mansion to the way it was originally created to be. We get to the point where we just say, you know what, I just, I don't have the power myself to restore this mansion. I don't have the resources nest- necessary to bring about the restoration of this. And so that that point brings us to a place where we have to make a decision. It's sort of like a crisis point in our lives. And it's in that moment that we have the opportunity to come to Jesus and be honest about the truth of where we are. It came similarly to that verse that we were just talking about. We have the opportunity to come to him and to confess to him that we recognize the truth of the condition of our life, of, of our mansion. And essentially what Jesus tells us is as a result of his death on the cross and his resurrection, he says, look, my son, he says, look, my daughter, the truth is I've already paid for this. I've already paid for this old mansion. I've just been waiting for you to come and to transfer ownership over to me. That's that's essentially what he says. And so when we say yes to Jesus in that moment, that is what we refer to a lot as, as the moment of salvation or the moment of being born again, of, of, having, of being reborn or experiencing new birth in Christ. It's confessing or admitting the truth about our sins and accepting his forgiveness. It's asking him to be our leader and our forgiver. It's a transfer of ownership, if you will, saying this old mansion no longer belongs to me. It was purchased by the blood of Jesus and now it's his. And maybe you're here today and you realize that that's exactly where you are. You came this morning, you're like, yes, that's exactly where I am. I'm at the place, I'm exhausted. (laughs) I'm tired of of trying to run, live in, fix up, make this old mansion presentable. And you're ready to say, I want to transfer ownership to the one who already paid the price for it. Maybe that's where you are today. Maybe today is the day for you to embrace the truth and the grace of Jesus for the very first time. Or maybe you're here today and if you're honest you'd say look I've I've done that. I've I've that's something that I at some point in my life I came to the to the place where I recognized that and I and I transferred ownership of my life over to him. The truth of the matter is that Jesus loves us too much to only want a transfer of ownership. He doesn't want to stop there because of, his, because of his love for us and because of the truth and the grace that are such a part of who he is. He isn't just content to say, you know what, I bought the house. That's good enough. We'll see you later. All right, we'll, just, we'll just see you later. Instead, he says, look, here's what I want to do. I want to take a look inside. I want us to take a look inside. And so he grabs our hand and he walks with us up to the front door and he opens the door and he pulls out a flashlight and he walks into the mansion with us and starts to have a look around. And this, that process of Jesus with the, f- the flashlight is something that scripture refers to in a number of different ways. Sometimes it's called discipleship. It's what happens when you live life following Jesus. Or it's called spiritual formation or spiritual growth. Or in some places scripture calls it sanctification. And it's the process of Jesus walking around in our lives. And, and showing us, revealing to us areas where he wants to make us more like him. He wants to make us a, a little bit more like him so that we can become more of who God originally intended us to be. And so he grabs us by the hand and he walks us through this, this dark mansion. And, and, and while we walk together, he takes this flashlight and he just shines it on little areas. He doesn't, he doesn't like throw the spotlight on the whole house at once because he knows that would be way too overwhelming for us. Instead, he takes us over, and he, he shines a flashlight in this area, and, and he says, oh, you remember, remember when that happened? Like, I want to I start to bring some healing in that area of your life. Remember when that happened to you? I, wanna, I, wanna start to, to, I want you to, to start to talk to me about that. I want to start to restore some of that. Or you remember when you did that? Yeah, I want to I start to work on that. I want to start to repair that and, and restore that in you. And so what he does is he shines shines his light into, into different places of the house at different times and different points in our journey. And it's not that he walks around with this flashlight so he can point out all the different ways that you've disappointed him over the years. It's not that. He shines the light on those things because he says, you know what? I created you, I know the potential you have, I know the beauty that I originally intended you to have, and so what I want to do is I want to start to see you begin to live out some of that fullness right now. Someday, Scripture says, that house is going to be completely restored. Someday, that house is going to be completely restored. But right now, I don't want to leave it like this until that day. I want to walk beside you and and, and start to help you see some restoration so you can experience life now to the fullest, to the way I originally created you to do. That's grace and truth. And he doesn't bring healing, he doesn't bring restoration uh, so that the house will be good enough for him to buy because he already bought it, right? And he doesn't bring healing and restoration so that uh, the house will be acceptable to him because he says, I already accept you right as you are, the way you are today. It's because he knows the beauty that the house has the potential to possess. He knows how it was originally created to look and feel, and he wants to walk with us to see some of that transformation and restoration happen now, and one day it will happen in its complete and total fullness. So if you've already invited him to own your mansion, you've already transferred ownership to him, so to speak, you've already asked him to be your forgiver and leader, you've accepted the price that he paid for you on the cross, maybe what you want to do this Christmas is you want to invite him to begin to walk with you through some of the different rooms of the house and allow him to begin to bring healing and restoration. Remember, as he brings that flashlight and as the light reveals the truth of what's there, it's always partnered with the grace of God, the undeserved and unmerited favor that God brings, not because of who we are, but because of who he is and his incredible love for us. Let me pray. God, we thank you and are so grateful that you came to us. We're thankful and so grateful that you walk with us. That you take up residence with us. And that you have the power to overcome the darkness. That you've defeated sin and death and darkness. That you've taken ownership of us, and yet that you walk beside us and want to give us life to the fullest right now. We praise you and thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: step down into darkness. Oh together, worthy, all together, wonderful
0: to be. I want to invite you to just respond to the way that God's challenged you today. Um, you have a response card in your possession, and on the back there's a few blank lines for you just to, to write down. Maybe, maybe this, it's Christmas week, maybe you just want to thank God for something. Maybe you want to thank Him for the fact that He pierced the darkness. Maybe you want to you thank him just for the fact that he, that he came to, to, to dwell among us. Maybe you want to thank him for the fact that, that, that he takes away that we don't need to fear or that, uh, that we can experience his grace. But whatever it is, as we, go, as we have this next song, I want to encourage you not to miss the opportunity this week to, to write down and record uh, how it is that God spoke to you today.
2: to heaven. We'll dance as well as these ladies. <laughs> Would you stand this morning?
0: And we're not doing that song.